You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. We're back in the open. Hi, everyone. I was going to say, this is our final of this series on grief. The grief is everywhere, so it doesn't feel like it's going to be the final, but this is our attempt. The topic is, how do we turn suffering into action? What does life after grief look like? Yeah, I think you make a very valid point that grief is is definitely all all around us. And at different times, it may feel like we've gotten over it. And then something else comes about and you're like, what the hell? And then even in our last episode, we unpacked additional topics that I don't think we started to address because I think so much of mental health challenges are around this idea of loss. But we only ever think of losing someone when you think of grief. But unpacking this with you, I think when I reflect on when I feel angry or denial, I'm not actually grieving the loss of someone unless that someone is myself. Mm. (laughs) Losing myself, losing what I thought my life was supposed to look like losing identity, losing safety, losing a future. I think too often we get caught up with finite definitions of what an experience is supposed to look like. So when we struggle in different spaces, unless somebody kind of points us in a direction, we don't necessarily know that that's the feeling that we're having. That's the experience that we're having. But I hope that for many people, this conversation has brought about even some points of enlightenment, like we reached, right? We didn't go in thinking we were going to explore these other topics, but inevitably we did. I think it's a good segue to thinking about what happens once you've gone through this, you've gone through these stages in quotes. Now, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. It's going to get a badge says I've gone through it. No. And and that maybe this is why this topic hits home that discovery that we made about grief. Because when I think about turning suffering into action, I think about where my life is today. And it ties into so much. People ask you, what do you do when you meet new people? And I'm like, I'm a social worker. Like, why are you a social worker? And every time I get asked that, it's a little like, do I really want to tell you why? (laughs) And then recently, even realizing that unpacking the fact that I have mental illnesses in my life and have trauma and that we've talked about this aspect of grief over the last weeks. It's like someone asked me, well, what does justice look like for you? Like, what do you need to get better? You know? And I'm like, well, maybe justice looks like my whole life doesn't revolve around thinking about my trauma or that my trauma has made up so much of my identity Does that make sense? And for people who have chronic diseases, like who have to go, well, I guess I have Crohn's or I guess I have Hashimoto's, so I can't do much. So now I guess I'm just going to become an advocate for Crohn's, you know? And you're like, really? Because in another lifetime, I would have loved to have been an artist or a musician or a physicist or a teacher. I think that is a very interesting point because even when you do experience some sort of of trauma, the loss of someone, the loss of a relationship, all that, there is an identifier that you either 
take on completely. And the example of, of actually losing someone, if for example, for someone that has lost their partner, for a woman, they would be known as a widow. And then you take on that identifier. Oh, she's the widow. Or uh, what is it around suicide? You know, you're like, you're the survivor. You're the, f- the sur- yes, the survivor, the yes. So or even the family member of a survivor. <laughs> and we see this with shootings. It's like parents become the parents of a shooter. And then your whole life is stuck to this label, which you can turn yes. to action, which has a lot of meaning. Obviously, it does. We see this time and time again with people who say they want to become peer support specialists, which is a type of provider in the mental health community where you take your lived experience and you you help somebody else to usher them through the suffering that happens when you get diagnosed with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or clinical depression, right? Yeah. But it's not that that experience isn't without baggage, and I think that when we, if we only talked about this notion of life after grief and turning suffering into action as all positive, which I think most of the system wants to w- do, wants to do, it really is narrow. Like, so why do we do that? Why do we stay? <laughs> because I think I could have chosen a different life. I could have said, you know what? I guess for me, this is this podcast has been wild. I don't mean this podcast. I mean, doing the last three years with you, things and conversations I've had with people like Kevin about his hobbies. I'm like, why don't I have hobbies? Why don't I have an identity? Like, why is my identity my trauma? This, I don't even think I realized that until I started talking to you about it. And now everything is that for me. And like, now what? If I wanted to change careers, I don't even know what I would do. I'm at a loss for words because I'm trying to really encapsulate what this experience has been like when I've gone through this. And I'm and I'm asking myself the same questions that you're like saying, why? Yeah. Why is why can I move past this? Like are you um, always and forever a divorcee, even though you're remarried? Right. Right. Do people and- always bring that up for you? Oh, you're in your second marriage or you have to say that to people. You're like, oh, instead of being just married, you're yeah. like, oh, this is my second marriage. You know? Yes. Like when yes. do you get to just let stuff go? Which is what people supposedly say <laughs> is supposed to be the end of grief, which we know never happens. You know that experience though, when when you are when you are having to in many ways justify whether you've accepted the label or have completely been like, nah, that's okay. I don't even want to have that label anymore. But somehow you have to go through the notion of saying, oh yeah, yeah, but I don't want to, I, I, you know, that's okay. I don't, I don't really focus on that anymore. That idea of justifying is something that is external, right? It's not coming from us. Mm-hmm. It's, like my acceptance of being a divorcee, fine. I've accepted it. It's been years, yo. Like I'm done. It's cool. Yeah. But people need to hear it for some reason. And I don't know if that helps to validate in their frame of reference. Like, oh, that's why they may be acting this way. Mm. Or if it's just kind of out of curiosity that they ask questions. Mm. But one of the things I think that sticks out for me when – when you go through any type of grief is the fact that you eventually get to this point and I've, and I've lived it where I get a little frustrated with myself that I'm just like, okay, 
you've you felt all these things, man. What are you going to do now? What are you just going to sit here and all this crap that you feel? Like move on. Your brain yeah. is saying move on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that voice happens when we get closer towards not the end of grief or when grief is not as painful. Because when yeah. we turn suffering into action, we're still looking for control. We're still looking to make meaning out of something. That and that's true. why the action and of turning it into something meaningful matters. Yes. There's still some healing to be done. Yes. Without that point of action, it's it can feel as though whatever happened was in vain. Yeah. Like it didn't mean anything. Nothing came out of this X thing. That's a really interesting point. So maybe for people who have turned their suffering into action, it is for when you grieve something that is so hard to accept, you know, seemingly coming from nowhere cannot make sense of something. You need that extra time to make sense of it. Do you think that's true? That for people who whose grief encompasses something that doesn't have clean lines or boundaries, that this is the final step because we need more, more meaning. I think that's what we're saying. I think so. It, it There has to be, I think it's human nature for us to seek out some sort of finite resolution. It's very difficult for us as a way of being for us to simply say, oh, it just happened. Okay. Yes, we can get there. But yeah. I have found that many people need to find some sort of validator, yeah. something that says, this has happened, but because of this, now I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'm going to become an advocate. I'm going to go and you know, distribute blankets, whatever, whatever you think is going to get you towards a place of action and closer to a place of, I, I want to say acceptance, but it's not acceptance. It's deeper than that. It's meaning and purpose. Yeah. To make meaning of the loss. And if there is no meaning, then it must just be my purpose. <laughs> My purpose and my charge in life to ensure as much as I can that no one else will go through what I have gone through or or at least one other person won't have gone through what I have gone through. And you see and hear that a lot from people who choose to live a life of advocacy or support and helping. You know, I, I believe so, but... Do you think that you are who you are today because you purposely made a decision to embrace this lifestyle of advocacy or it just happened? I was so lost. I mean, because I think identity is and life identity is one of those. Is it painful or just really meaningful? I think everybody is seeking purpose. They're not really just looking for a job. They're seeking purpose. Yes, like, yes. what's my purpose? Why am I here? <laughs> Is it of all course. just meaningless? But yeah, I don't feel like I had any direction. And it just slowly came about. And also, I did not have access growing up to even know different occupations in the world. Hmm. But a new CPS was called to my house. And here are the 
bad things of how that happened and here here's how I wish things went. And once I started talking to people about that, someone one day, like well into my older ages, not when I was a teenager trying to figure out your life, like this was in my 20s. Someone was like, it sounds like you want to be a social worker. And I was like, what's a social worker? That's interesting. So you just go, you just move forward, just put a step forward. And I don't even think I, obviously as people start to push you on the question and then you have more people asking, well, what do you do? And why are you doing what you do? Then I'm like, okay, I really have to confront that these are the real reasons why I do what I do and not just because I've said, oh, it's a really great, interesting job. (laughs) Right. When you speak to other people who, um, for example, decide to create like their own nonprofit organization because they're going to tackle this X thing that was their experience. They, they never want anybody to, else to go through it. Yo, hands down, that's amazing that you want to dedicate time and effort to that. And I believe that it is oftentimes tied to this the seeking out of purpose and some sort of closure to say, I, I was able to learn something from this experience and put it to use. But for others that you know, I have never created a nonprofit. I don't want to go create a nonprofit. But what I do want to do is just create a space for people to talk. That in itself for me is how purpose comes through. Through all of the stuff that I've lived through, I'm just like, let's talk about it. I can see it as an opportunity for growth. And I can see it, that how much it's consumed my life. But I do reflect today on the weight of my experience. It is why it has shaped my life. So, in grieving, I have to just honor that. Like, I have to see what it is and just be like, you know what? The reason why you are here today is because that was so impactful in your life. Like, you have to grieve that it was so impactful in your life. And that's why you're not a statistician. (laughs) <laughs> what would it be? I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's why you're a social worker and not whatever. But that's requiring you to backtrack. Right now you're thinking about it and going through, oh, what led me here? Yeah, because of um, this literal episode. Totally, totally. <laughs> and, and I think it's really eye-opening because very few people, I think, are able to actively say just because of how deep emotions can go and their impact. I don't think many people are just able to be like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to do this X thing that's going to bring meaning and purpose to my life because it's not easy to do that. But I also don't, okay, so go back to your idea that not everybody creates a nonprofit, but I do think that we do this in little ways. Our, Our brain and our bodies, our minds and our lives, they move us towards a trajectory. So like, so the weight of the grief, the weight of the experience matches the weight of the action. So for some people, it's not creating a nonprofit. But what they what I hear people do feel is, let's say you're talking to somebody, a new stranger, and they share a story and you're like, oh, I really relate to that. It's hard for you in that moment not to want to say, I'm going to take my time and listen to what you're saying because I relate to what you're saying. And in this one small moment, I'm going to talk to you about this because it's a shared experience and that matters to me. 
it still affects your life. It still affects your life and it's going to come out weird ways. And you're going to find that maybe you join a group that has that shared meaning or that purpose. And I will also say this, I think that time matters. So when the grief is new and young, you especially need to find that purpose. So we see a lot of people start to do and engage in activities in the early stages of grieving, post-grieving. But then those issues die down as people literally move on or in their brain. They're like, okay, Mm -hmm. this does come to an end. When I do trainings, one of the things that I talk about is is the conversation you have with people in an elevator. Mm -hmm. You have very limited conversation. Most often it's just like, hi, good morning. How are you? But nobody actually ever expects for you to respond truthfully to that how are you question. Mm-hmm. And I, I take that and, and apply it to my life. When I when I literally go into an elevator, I'm like, hi, how are you? You know, most people are just like, I'm fine. And, you know, they don't say anything else. But there was this one gentleman that um, was in an elevator with me. And he says, you know, I'm having a really bad day. And that conversation that lasted four minutes, you know, while we were riding the elevator was so meaningful and just helping me frame how useful my previous experiences were to be able to help this person feel validated in their experience and not be tied to anything, right? There's no expectation that you're going to walk away and you're going to do this. No, man. It's just I heard you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're having a bad day. That sucks. Everybody's had a bad day. You know how you feel when you have a bad day. You just want somebody to just hear you. And I think that's where humanity is at its best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because to be human is to suffer. Yeah. You know, when we're our best selves, we can take whatever it is that our experiences and say, I can't. The Something has to come from this that is beautiful and kind and compassionate. And when we do that for each other, it's it's so good. I I really appreciate the the framing of this conversation and how it's gone from what does grief actually look like to the place where we are now, that we oftentimes get lost in our own head around what this experience can look like. And even if we get to this place, the notion that not everything's going to have meaning. Not everything has purpose. It isn't even necessary for you to find meaning and purpose for you to get out of this grief stage. But ultimately, it naturally may fall into that. And part of that experience, it's really important for people to understand there's nothing wrong with you and your experience if you haven't identified this phenomenal next purpose in life that's going to change the world. The itty-bitty notion of whatever works for you and how you apply this experience to your future, I think, is purpose enough to keep moving forward and let, it, and let time do what it's supposed to do, right? Yeah, definitely. I guess my final thought is that in turning suffering into action, that recovery from grief is often done best with others. I think people who start on a mission and they tend to be alone and you have to ask yourself, why? Why are you alone? Why do you want to do this alone? Or are there people out there who can do this with you? Because I think that there are and somebody has gone through it too. So how do you find each other? I think my final thought out of 
all of this, this series has been a little, I'm going to say soul shaking because I, I, you know, where I thought that I may have uh, processed things well enough or not processed at all coming, <laughs> coming from these conversations. Um, it's so important to also look back and really see, wow, there's growth that's happened. Wow, there's also growth that needs to continue to happen. And fully understand you're going to encounter this again and again in life. It's not just one easy solution that it's going to make everything better. So just be kind to yourself and be kind to others who are going through this experience. Well, America, as always, I really appreciate you joining me on this journey. And to all our listeners, appreciate you. And anybody who actually writes um, to podcast at mhanational.org. Some of our interesting topics have come from our audience, and we always love to hear people. And I think it helps us to continue this experience, um, to know that there are people who listen and that this matters to you. So I appreciate all of you who do chime in. And I hope you've enjoyed the series. Keep on fighting in the open. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye.